Welcome to Mountain Peaks Theology. I uh, want to wish you all a happy Pentecost and a happy Memorials, Memorial Day. Thank you to all the brave men and women who have served. And in conjunction with Pentecost, I do hope that the Spirit will touch you in a unique way as we reflect on this parable, the prodigal son. My intention today is to very much be reflective as we culminate our first parable month. First, to switch things up a bit, we're going to have a reading. We are going to read the parable of the prodigal son. This is found in Luke 15, chapter Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Then we'll ref reflect on certain aspects of the parable, since what we right now care about is what this means for the kingdom and what this means for us. So please take out your scriptures. Whichever one you use, I will be using the King James Version, even though I have studied this particular parable with the different, different versions and translations. But my preferable choice right now is KJV, King James Version. And let's, let's read together. And Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth, falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I'm no, worthy, no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, and he and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, 
Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, Thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. I just want to say, first and foremost, what a beautiful and inspiring parable. As we've been studying and as we've been coming to understand what this parable means, The word that I kept hearing, the word that I kept studying, the word that kept coming out of the manual and out of other resources was how resonating this story really is. And I wanted to start uh, this trend or, sorry, this series of parables within the New Testament commentary is because of how resonating this parable is. When we think of the redemptive story arc, the, the story and the life of Jesus Christ that we're studying at the beginning of this new season of Mountain Peaks Theology, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We need to understand what the kingdom looks like. And personally, and I hope we can study this more and more out as the year goes on. But personally, in a lot of ways, the parable of the prodigal son is the embodiment of how the kingdom of heaven operates. And of course, 
You can distinguish that by the Father. The Father is easily played by either God himself or Jesus. And of course, the elder son and the prodigal son are very much us or the characters in this redemptive story arc. So the schematics, the systematic operating portion of the kingdom is very much found in this parable. And one of the most beautiful things and historical context is I really want to know, besides maybe revelation and inspiration, how this parable came to be. The only context we have, of course, is in a previous verse, uh, or I believe within the, the historical chronological sources that we have, is that a, a, a comment was made that this man being Jesus dines and sits with and teaches with, teaches to uh, sinners. And in response to this, Jesus gives the parable of the lost sheep. Um, he gives the parable of the prodigal son. And he, he begins to teach and teach these Pharisees something about them and something about the kingdom of heaven. Which now leads me into the reflective portion of studying this parable. How we fit into the story, this personal story, this resonating story. And as we reflect together, as you can see here is the big question. How does the God in heaven view you? This is very much very much a story about us. Consider that we have gone off to a far country. We have taken our journey. And yes, we make good decisions. And we make bad decisions. We make mistakes. We do things right. But there's a word that is used here and in other translations and versions. But the word in the King James Version is wasted. And in other versions and translations, the word is squandered. How do we waste and squander our time, our money, our desires, our relationships? And when these things are happening, how many times do bad seasons come into our lives? How about spiritual famines and crises? 
we work through them. But we, in this difficult time, become hungry. Spiritual salvation that God dearly wants to give to us. He wants us to succeed. And in this parable, Jesus teaches us, and the, the other translations say, that the prodigal son came to his senses. We often come to ourselves, we come to our senses, and we have spiritual reawakenings. Of course, this parable is very much linear, it's all leading to the eventual path that we need to be on in the sense of the end goal, the end of the journey. But we come to a realization, or in other words, the prodigal son comes to a realization. He thinks, how many of people that work for his father have enough food to eat and to spare, and, he, and he's perishing? There is a phrase in the Book of Mormon, the happy life of the righteous, this fullness, this eudaimonia in the Greek, this spiritual high that a lot of people refer to. And sometimes we long for these, this happy state, this enormous, powerful state, this state where we feel loved and noticed by the eternal God. And the prodigal son, in this thought process, in these bite-sized or enormous-sized portions of understanding, he said he commits to going to his father and telling him that he has sinned and is no more worthy to be called his son and is hoping that he can at least be hired to be one of the workers. So he comes to, and he arises and comes to his father. Several translations say that he was a long way off. And of course, in the King James Version, it just says that he was a great way off. And I, I recently viewed a YouTube video where I believe it's a pastor. A pastor says this in a very humorous manner, but in also a serious manner. How we would all want a father, parents like this. You know, first and foremost, <laughs> this there's uh, is this this man is very wealthy. And wealth can be described in many ways. We're not necessarily talking about riches. But after we have wasted, squandered all these spiritual and temporal possessions, 
and we have come to ourselves, we've come to our senses, we all want this type of reaction, this reaction of where we sink into the depths of our misery and of our pain and our recognition of our shortcoming, big shortcoming. And what we are greeted with is loving arms of a father. And from this point forward, the story ends with a celebration. This parable has three important takeaways. If nothing else, three important takeaways. Now, I do want to say this. As we liken the scriptures unto ourselves, we're always thinking of who we can relate to. And I know I'm not making a super big emphasis on the elder son. Yes, I think it is important that we put ourselves into his shoes. We have been in his shoes. We are at times and many times doing what we're supposed to do. And we don't see the fruits of those good deeds. But I think for the parable of the prodigal son to make a lot of sense, we need to understand the worth of the elder son. But we also need to connect with the deeper meaning of the repercussions and the effects of the other son returning. There is much to be said about the elder son's reactions and anger to what is coming on. But I think it is on purpose that after he expresses himself, that he's never disobeyed, he's never transgressed, that this loving father responds to him in a certain way that I feel creates understanding, that creates empathy, that creates sympathy, that brings together how we fit into this story of being redeemed and of being saved. And as I've highlighted here, this is verse 32 from Luke 15. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. When we are spiritually dead, No, there's there's no way we can find oil in the middle of the night. When we are spiritually dead, we feel like there is no way out. When we can potentially be doing everything that has ever been asked, but we can be we can be so our hearts can be so hardened that we forget to turn to the person who can grant us safety, peace, rest, and salvation and meaning. When we consider ourselves to no longer be worthy, 
we are in a very difficult spot. I know that I misspelled that there. It should be a W-R-T-H-Y. We need to turn to God. We need to come to our senses. We are imperfect beings trying to be perfected through the God that helps us become complete. There is work in doing this very hard thing of turning our life around, going through this hard path, and knowing, look, God, I've done so much wrong. I don't even know how I can look you in the eyes. I'm in pain. I feel like I've done everything I needed to do. Etc. Etc. But this is where God helps us become rejuvenated, where we are made alive again. We are redeemed. We are saved. We are helped. We are soothed. We are no longer lost. And when we are no longer lost, there is rejoicing. There is meant to be rejoicing. That's why we get the best of the best. And that's why we get this big party. One of my favorite phrases, and this is from a, a, a previous president, slash prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, David O. McKay. And I know many other people have used this analogy before, but Along, he said along the, along the lines of, God doesn't want any empty seats at the dinner table. I believe that is what the parable of the prodigal son is trying to teach us. God wants to see us again. God wants to see us succeed. He provided a savior for us to suffer the weight of sin, pain, etc., to die and be lifted up on the cross and to be resurrected so that it is all possible that when we know we want the mountains to smush us so we don't see God's face or judgment, that we can come to God. Embrace God. Just tell him everything. To know that he is rejoicing that we are taking these steps, these important steps, to come back to him and to be better. God has all the power to forgive. We have all the power and strength to repent. We can become spiritually alive again 
and be found worthy in the sight of God. My friends, thank you for joining me as we reflected more than interpreted this beautiful parable by our Savior, Jesus Christ. I can only hope that in the spirit of learning, God has taught you something, God has reawakened something in you, or especially has brought you to his word to study it out so that we can become closer and closer to that happy and righteous state of those who live righteously so that we can become ever more closer and more connected to God. Thank you for joining me with for another episode of Mountain Peaks Theology. More to come, and as my grandfather always says, may God bless you. <laughs>